0: 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, well I'll do verses 3 and 4, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Welcome back, Um, I I can only assume that's good news, there's more people in the second half than the first half, so the words got round, (laughs) which is great. And nobody's left, I don't think, anyway. So, <laughs> And I haven't left. That's even better news. So, <laughs> His divine power has given us some things we need. All things we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And let's put the next verse up as well. Verse 4. Verse 4. Through these things he has given us his very great and precious promises. Remember this picture of the, how we sort of get connected to our spirit part? is through the word. Through these things he's given us every, every great precious promises, so that through them, through the word, you may be partakers of the divine nature. It's, it's, it's as you read, as you as you spend time in the Word, as you meditate with God, that you're connected to the divine, which is the verse before everything that's been provided for life and godliness. It's cool, isn't it? So now, just I'm, I'm not starting my second session; I'm finishing the first one. So, um, <laughs> if if you're a spirit being, if if and your spirit is perfect and your spirit is alive, and fo- you know, to me, the the Bible says that uh, there's the, fullness of joy in him. Yeah? But I'm a miserable old so-and-so. So which, which is it? Is there fullness of joy in me, or am I a miserable old so-and-so? The fullness of joy is in me. So I've got to somehow tap into that and, and enjoy that and live from that, because that's got to be much better than going, you know, oh dear. Monday morning. <laughs> Why not get up and go, oh God, it's Monday, come on. Joy of the Lord, my strength. Something like that, anyway. So, considering I've I've made you think that there's there's this, you know, completely separate being to you lives inside you, who you don't know. (laughs) Right? And you're just beginning to become aware of it and think, well, what on earth does it look like? What does it sound like? I don't really know. Now and again it manifests, because I might be happy once in a while. (laughs) You know? Uh, What does worshipping in spirit, then, look like? Because you've got your soul and your body... What, what, so I want you to just do this for a second. Just in your imagination, right? You've got this spirit lives inside you and it's going to worship. So what does that look like when it worships? Just have a second, think about it. What's it doing? What's your spirit doing when it worships? And some people, you know, take a second, even write something down, what you think it might be doing. In fact, I won't mind you all, Getting a sentence to say. So anybody get got anything you could just shout out or speak out and say, well, I think it'd be doing this. So anybody? Skipping. Skip okay. That's cool. That's cool. Dancing with abandon. I don't know who they are. <laughs> Is that a group? <laughs> Dancing with abandon, Yes. Dancing, running through fields, waving flags. Yes. do backflips. I won't even attempt that. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 are, are there any, are there any, are there any more, uh, more sober spirits amongst us? <laughs> okay, yeah. So you'll, you'll see that as bowing down. Yeah, okay. conversation okay what if I was to say what if that's just not your imagination what if that's actually what your spirit inside you is really like and here's the scary thing and I'm asking you to connect with your spirit and worship in spirit so there might be a few cartwheels happening in the church. <laughs> Back flips. I know that the flag waving can happen anyway, I know that, but the bowing down might just be something that somebody feels they have to do because they're connecting with, oh, you know, other people are bowing down, so I think that's what we do. No. It, it, that's what I mean by worshipping in spirit. It's like, how is my spirit engaging with him? And it may be simply, as Rob's saying, then I'm just sat there, all the music's happening, but I'm communicating with him. I'm talking to him, and he's talking to me. That might be what's happening for you in that worshipping in spirit. It's not like worshipping in spirit is only red flags and between 11 and 11.15. That's not, we're not all conforming to the same thing. Cool. Well done for doing that. Okay. So I'm going to speak this next portion of time on a subject called going beyond. So it won't really have much relation to those pictures, so I think it's best if I close that because you don't need it. Going beyond. The the scripture I'd like us to sort of look around is Luke chapter 5 verse 4. So I'm telling you that again because I want you to get there, find it, either have it on the screen or have it in your Bibles or have it on your phones, whatever, and then put it to one side because I'm introducing you to a subject, going beyond is the title. Okay. I suppose if I could say anything to begin would be to say it links to the session before in that we'll be going beyond the natural to the spiritual. I could use that as a kind of link between the two. We need to go beyond what is logically possible, beyond what is physically possible, into the, the power and the realm of the supernatural because you possess that. And because that has come and possessed you. So the uh, illustration earlier of saying how many of you have had original design and and you've had it for others and you raised your hands and I said, well, where did that come from? That's because you've become now connected to a supernatural realm where you can operate in and from. But we have this where we operate sometimes in the soul, the mind, the logic, the reason, the flesh, and sometimes in the spirit. And we get caught sometimes to operate in the spirit we don't even we didn't plan it you know well there is something we can do in terms of choosing to go in that direction but there's there's a story in in the old testament i want to read this to you uh it's about jacob and and you know this well um it says he arose that night and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent them over where he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. You know the rest of the story. He wrestles with him, and he touches his hip, and he changes his name. It's not that. It's this very first bit. God wrestles with us until the breaking of our day, until our day ends and His day begins. That's the wrestle that we have. Till we we no longer yield to the senses and the, the you know and the natural, and the, but we yield now to the Spirit. Do you remember a guy called Smith Wigglesworth? Some of you will have heard of him. Um, I shared a couple of things with the worship team about it last night. But this guy used mightily by God, used extremely powerfully by God. But, but as a as a man growing up, he was a plumber, not not really well educated, uh, a very ordinary guy, really. Bit bit of a bold Yorkshireman, you know, kind of thing. Say what you think, but is the pastor of a church, him and his wife, pastor, pastor's wife of a church, he can't preach. He gets up he reads, reads a verse of Scripture and then he sits down because he's got no anointing, no, nothing to speak from. So his wife does most of the preaching. And he hears about in Coventry, I think it's in Coventry, about this people being filled with the Spirit and he already believes he is filled with the Spirit because the Bible says he's filled with the Spirit because he's been born again and so the Spirit of God is within him and he thinks I'm filled with the Spirit. And they're saying, no, you're going to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. And he's saying, that's not right. So I'm going up to Coventry to tell them that they're wrong. So he gets into, uh, is it Coventry or Southampton? I never get this right. But wherever it was, he went there. And he he's gets up in the meeting and he says, you're wrong. So he has this boldness to do all this stuff, but he can't preach. But he gets up and he says, you're all wrong anyway. He gets back to his house uh, that he's staying at and, 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 and God fills him with the Spirit. He speaks in Tongue, but he tells this story of himself being in the kitchen, crawling round on all fours, as the presence and and power and, and of God begins to rest upon him. And he says, and I don't know how this fits in. He says, but as I'm doing this, I'm clapping, and I don't know why. What that means, I can't even get that image in my head of crawling on your hands and knees and clapping. But he said. I clapped until all the kicking had gone out of me, is his phrase. In other words, there's a resistance in us all for more of God. For God to have freedom to do whatever he wants, there's a resistance in in us all. And his day broke that day in the kitchen. God wrestled with him till he surrendered to the Spirit of God. And what happened after that is, well, it, for, for us it's, it's like history, but for him it was the beginning of a miraculous journey with God. He'd be on trains and people had, had got talking to him and woman has cancer, a tumour, so he punches her in the stomach. You don't do that. he he, he didn't he didn't have this kind of health and safety kind of issue and the woman was healed instantly she don't care she don't care and i'm not saying go out and punch people in the stomach because that's probably not the spirit that's probably the flesh going what a good idea (laughs) yeah his day broke his way of doing it broke his way of thinking broke his he went beyond how many of you realize that the spirit part of you is going beyond? It's higher, it's better. I kind of think sometimes we feel like it's too much to give up to be what God wants. But actually, there's a, a young guy called Henry Schugel. You won't have heard of him, I don't think. If you have, fantastic. He wrote a book. He was 21 years old when he died, young Scotsman. And he wrote a letter to a friend of his um, about becoming a Christian. And uh, instead of using the word Christian, he said, you know, uh, about religion. He spoke about, he wrote about religion. And in his book, he writes this one sentence early on in, well, it's a letter that was put into a book because it's so famous, this. And so powerful, what he wrote to this friend. But he starts off by saying, and his book's called uh, the, the Something of God in the Soul of Man. Come on, Tim, what is it? The, it might be The Heart of God in the Soul of Man or something. But he puts this sentence, he says, When you become a Christian, he says, it is literally a drop of the divine ocean of God that comes into you. Now that, if you hear what I'm saying, is quite a revelation. Becoming a Christian wasn't a choice, wasn't a decision, wasn't an emotional thing. Actually, what happened was God dropped something of who he is inside you. You have the divine. We read in that scripture at the beginning that through these things, the promises of God, we have access to the divine. What is the divine? It is the essence. It's God himself. The Bible says in John, it says, Jesus says, if you love me, my Father will, and I will come and make our home where? With you, in you. And we know that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So who lives in you? Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we kind of have this idea that they live there but they don't really like it. It's not a very nice place they've come to, is it? You know, it, No, they've come as a divine drop of, of his very life, his very essence, his very being is now touching my physical body, it's touching my emotions, it's touching my mind. And if only I can kind of understand I can take a step beyond the natural I enter into the supernatural, and then I end up doing things I can't do. Do you know, this is true. It's in, the Christian life isn't difficult. It's impossible. You cannot do it without the, the Spirit of God. Jesus says, I'll just give you one thing to do, everybody. You know, and, see, and, and let's just try this out. All I, all I want you to do is go, go around, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. How are you doing? How are you guys doing with that? <laughs> yeah, because somehow, well, I, I'm going to get off subject for a second. My second favourite subject is encountering the presence of God. I think we missed a big trick here. I think we've totally got, missed, missed out something. You know, the scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know that? Romans 3.23, I think it is. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, in the Old Testament, glory always meant presence. Always. The glory descended on the mountain. Presence. The glory came on the tent. Presence. New Testament, glory means behaviour. What? We've fallen short of the standard that God expects for us. What if what we really fell short of was encounter with him, was his presence? In fact, the thing we were made for was to know him and walk in his presence and be fulfilled by his presence and overcome by his and complete in his presence. So all have sinned and fallen short of the very source that we need for life, which is God himself. There's another scripture then that that plays into that, which we all might know. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, I think it is. It says, And we all behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You heard this verse? You might want to put that up if it's there and if it's the right one. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. If it's not, then don't worry about it. (laughs) We'll soon find out if it is. We all behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord. They didn't have mirrors. They didn't have, you know what a mirror is to us? A mirror is a perfect reflection, but the other way around, of yourself. Huh? That's the one. We all, uh, with unveiled faces, reflect the glory, are being transformed. Yep. Another translation says, and, as, and we behold in a mirror the glory of God. Right? Now, look, they didn't have mirrors, they, they had brass that they polished up a bit. So there was a reflection. It was, it was not like we have perfect images. You know, we look up and, and it's like you can see everything. You know, That, that was brass that was polished. What, what, even, even, I'm going to say this to you, even, a, even a, a, a veiled image of God can change you. Even a poor understanding of who he is can change you. You haven't always got to have the perfect image to be able to be changed. Just a glimpse of him and something starts to transform. transformed. We're transformed from one degree of glory hello what's glory aha so what god wants is as i come into his presence as i engage him as i look into him as i see him i'm taken from one degree of presence hello and what happens when i'm in his presence whoa into another degree of presence and then what happens you couldn't go in and take it all you couldn't go straight in and have it all because you wouldn't be able to cope I shared with these about Wigglesworth that when he was 80 years old he, he gets up in a conference and he says uh, and there's all these ministers around praying for an evening service and saying oh God would you bless tonight's service he gets up and he says Lord let your dominion come he's 80 odd years old and he says, let your dominion come and the presence of God begins to descend in the place so heavily that the ministers have to leave because he gets too heavy and one man is left stood there, Wigglesworth, under the weight of God's glory. But he is someone who has got rid of the kick, everything that resists, so he can stand in it. thats I'm not there. I want to be there so much. God wants us to know this access to him gives us access to ourselves something transforms in us so I, w- I will go back to the scripture that I asked you to put up in the first place which was Luke 5 verse 4 Luke 5 verse 4 <clears throat> it's okay have you ever Ever heard this phrase? There's two sides to the cross. Ever heard this phrase? Two sides to the cross. See, we can we can live our lives constantly approaching the cross. And even Jesus' ministry can cause us to be a little bit like this. We focus so much on what's wrong with us. Oh, oh God, oh, you know, please. I, I've realised I've got this wrong with me, and I realise I've got this spirit affecting me, and I keep coming to the cross for forgiveness for healing for you know but there's another side to through the other side of the cross and there's a resurrected person what does he look like how does he live he's not turning around all the time and going back to the cross he's off going let's take on some demons let's let's walk into the heaven there's two sides to the cross and yet i find it so easy that the natural part of me the human part actually wants to keep coming to the cross and going oh god i'm rubbish in oh god please forgive me and I don't ever go beyond that and go, I'm forgiven. What am I like now? Now what am I about to experience? I tell you, if you see these things, it's, it's amazing. Are we okay? Yes. I, I, didn't it come up on that screen as well? Before? <laughs> That's probably why I was not sure. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, push out into the deep. Let down your nets for a cash. Launch out push further, go deeper. That's what I want to say, talk about. Go beyond, go deeper, go beyond. You know, when we hear this scripture preached, it's usually about evangelism. You know, let down your nets for a catch and you'll bring in more people than you can cope with. Jesus never told them anything about people, by the way. Jesus didn't use that at all about evangelism. He never said it was about evangelism. It was about catching fish supernaturally. Peter was a fisherman, and now he's going, what a way to catch fish. Never seen this before. This is supernatural behavior. I've never seen that. Jesus didn't say, and now what I'm trying to teach you is, you're not going to get many people come to your church until you go and put your net over there. That's not what he said. He did a supernatural miracle about catching fish. He taught Peter that there was a way to go beyond natural into a supernatural And he did it that way with Peter, because Peter was a fisherman. it will be different with you. Whatever it is that that you are able to do in your natural abilities, God wants it to go beyond that, to the supernatural. I, I, I learned to play the guitar around about the age of 13, 14. I can't read music even now. But I remember sitting there, watching all the older youth... And we'd got a band back, back then, even like, you know, and there were a drummer and a guitarist, and I was looking there and saying, God, if you want me to play, teach me to play. So I went home and I just started playing. I didn't know. I'd seen a few chords, and I learned to play within three weeks. Started writing songs after a month, which began to be sung in the church. It was, I went beyond what was natural to supernatural and that's possible for you for me for all of us but of course I'm going to be a bit you know if I say this now some of you are going to go that's dangerous telling us that you shouldn't do that you've all learned things in in your natural abilities you know whatever job you do you've been taught how to do it correctly you have skills and you know abilities if you're a draftsman, if you're a physio or whatever you know you've been shown how to do those things and you do them perfectly to that natural but there's a beyond that you know there's a there's a beyond so i was i was um i'll give you an example of this i was i was in british steel for 20 years and uh i I did 10 years as a salesman and then 10 years as a purchasing manager and as the purchasing manager i cheated i i was able to spend six and a half million pounds a year which is great fun uh and part of that, of my job, was to get the best deals from other companies as we bought steel as well as sold it, you know what I mean? So, so I would go into companies and the Holy Spirit had told me how much they were selling it to other companies. So they would say to me, Tim, we're, we'd love to do a deal with you and we'll, we'll sell you this at so many pounds a ton. I'd say, No. I said, why? I said, well, you're selling it to that other company at this point. How do you know that? How do you know that? I said, it doesn't really matter how I know that. (laughs) I said, unless we get that deal, I said, we're out of here. So I always got the best deals. There's the natural and then there's going beyond to the supernatural. But Tim, that's work, that's... So what? Then think God's not interested in your life. think all God wants you to do at work is to heal people. And to lead them to the Lord, you don't think he's interested in your job. And you as a person. And you becoming something that you can't become naturally. It's got your thinking, hasn't it? It's got your thinking. Go beyond. And this is where he does with Peter. He says, Peter, launch out to where it's uncomfortable, for, to where it's not, you know, it's too deep for you. Go there. Because there's, you know, there's the, 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 the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil of the temple was torn in two. Yeah. What was behind the veil? The Holy of Holies. Yes. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. So where have we actually been given access to? The presence of God. Because there, things change. I once did this little study, and again I'm detouring, so excuse me for this. You know, the the tabernacle had three sections to it. There was the outer court, then there was a building which was split into two. One was called the Holy Place and one was called the Holy of Holies. Yeah? And I've seen this picture as three types of Christians. Okay? And the outer courts was where they brought the sacrifice, but they also came in with praise. Right? Right? So I feel there's a lot of Christians who all they ever get to is praise, 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 but I'm sorry, God. Sacrifice and praise. That's all they know, right? But then you've got another bunch who come into the holy place. And in that place was the table of showbread and the candelabra, the stick, you know. And this was the place of ministry, okay? And there's some Christians who come in, they get to know God and then they say, Lord, let me serve you. So they find a job to do, you know, they find a ministry, a calling or whatever, and they get stuck in that. Yeah? Right. And then but but that's not what the curtain was open to. The curtain was open to the Holy of Holies. And what's behind the Holy of Holies is the presence of God. Do you know when God gave the dimensions to Moses for the tabernacle, he started. With the dimensions of the holy of holies and then gave the dimensions out so the heart of god says actually the first place to meet is with me from here go out into ministry hello i know many ministers and ministries that get their identity from what they do and not from being in his presence i'm a great worship leader i'm god really blesses me i'm i'm wonderful god really, you know are you this this young lad in my church is a great preacher in fact if he was here he'd he'd have you all sort of by now you'd be repenting he he, he likes the guilt trip thing he's really good at it and he he kind of you know we, we all know what we're doing wrong after he's preached a sermon and you know it, but but he's very clever very good and all that and i sat with him one day and i said I said, bro, I said, you get some real amazing revelations. I said, I've got to ask you a question. He says, What's that? I said, you know, when you sit down and you talk to God, I says, when was the last time he said something to you about you? He says, he never has. How can you minister to others when you yourself are not coming from the place? Like I said at the beginning of the last session, it's not doing it for favor, it's doing it from favor. It's not doing it for approval, it's doing it from approval. All of what we do as a Christian should come out of the encounter, shouldn't come out of the presence. We should walk from that place. The veil was opened, not so we could all stand outside going, ooh, isn't that amazing, but so that we'd go in. And from in there, so where is it? In here. From inside out we live. From inside out. Peter says, at, at your word, you know, because the rest of that, uh, scripture he uh, says we've been fishing all night we've been toiling all night it says but nevertheless at your word because he recognized that the word or the the understanding of the word was these were the same people who said where else can we go you have the words of eternal life he kind of knew that what jesus said wasn't natural he kind of knew that when jesus spoke he wasn't speaking logic he was speaking something from another realm So when Jesus said, launch out into the deep, let your nets down on the other side, he kind of went, well, we've told all night, but at that word, because that's not from here. Because you've said, you've said something that's come from above, so we're going to do that. That's the other, that's pushing out to, from the natural to the spiritual. This is what we see happening. So I'm going to give you an example of this now. And at this point, I might lose half of you. For example, is there someone you need to forgive? Now, I'm not here to do the guilt trip, to make you feel bad, but is there? You know, we all do this. Of course I've forgiven them, until I see them again. Of course I've forgiven them, until... And there's usually something that causes it to just start flaring back up inside, you know? Um, my 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 eldest brother uh, did did some stuff that upset the whole family and said some stuff about me and my wife and we We kind of lost contact for sort of eight nine years really he uh, he, he did some stuff which i 'm not going to say here so uh, but but it was devastating to the whole family, but what he did personally to me and said personally about me was devastating for me and my wife and so we were struggling um, for a, a while, you know. We couldn't drive past where he lived. You know, it just, even if he was at the end of the street, you know, it was like uh, something just there. So I, I did the Christian thing. I said, Lord, I'm going to ask you now, help me just uh, pray. I forgive him, uh, bless him in Jesus' name, and, and drive past his street. Well that didn't work then did it so let's let's go and get prayer you know so so pray for Lord is feel better thank you amen bless you thank you for praying for me i feel so much better past street ended up going to this conference with John Wimber 20 odd years ago in uh, Wembley here and uh, my brother's there and um God spoke to me in the morning, we were there for the whole week, but God spoke to me in the morning one of the days and said, today's the day. And I went, oh, I know what this is about. So uh, John Wimber preaches, it's nothing to do with forgiveness or whatever. But then he stops and he says, hey, the Holy Spirit's telling me that there's a lot of hurts in this room. So, so I want you to stand there, and there was two two and a half thousand people there at this place, and a lot of us stood, because we've been offended by all, of, you know. Everybody gets offended, but and we forgive, but it's not really dealt with. If you know what you know what I mean? We, we can forgive from here, can't we? You know what I mean? We can do the do the stuff. And I remembered saying, "Okay, God." So and my brother came over to me, and I said, "Look," I said, "God's going to do something today." I said, "You know, this this has to be healed. We need to forgive." So we hugged each other and uh, yeah, and, and responded to the spirit. And I went home from there and I thought, amazing, amazing. God, this is so good. I'd loved him, I'd hugged him. I got up the next morning because actually I was, on a, I was at a conference, sorry, I was on a course, a three month course in London. One of the weeks was the Wimber part of it. The following day, we got up and we went into our lectures. And I sat in the lecture. I hated my brother more than I'd ever hated him. And I can't explain it. I never heard a word that was being lectured. Not a thing. Not a thing. I was just so angry. So the, the session finished and I said to the, the guy who was leading it, I said, I could do with talking with you. So I went up into the office and I told him everything. And he said, have you ever brought it to the cross? It's because Jesus was despised and rejected. He took all that, what that felt like. All that kind of, he took it with him to the cross. Have you ever brought that to the cross? And you know what, I never had. I never took my pain. I was forgiving him, but I'd never took my pain and dealt with that. So I took that to the cross. And instantly I was set free by whatever that was that was holding me. Instantly I was set free. You went beyond. Do you know what? I'm sorry to say this to you. A lot of what we tell Christians to do is natural. We give them programs and ideas. You know what you've got to do is sit down and pray this prayer in this way and it'll work. And it don't work, does it? Because you've got to go beyond that to something that's supernatural. shared that earlier testimony about the indigestion and saying to to the indigestion, you speak to the blood then, you know? It's like doing something that's not, it's behind the veil. This stuff's behind the veil. If, if, if you now are sat there as a Christian thinking, oh, I'm getting all this, then that's the tree of knowledge. It's not something you know, it's something you have to step into. And you, and you might come out of that experience and think, I don't even know what I did. But it worked. Because you're going beyond, beyond the natural I kind of got this question here and I, I think I know the answer to this how many people want to stop sinning I think I know the answer to that one um how many people want to live in victory how many people want to be free from this and from that well I spent a lot of years focused on getting free so, but all that does it, it makes me very conscious of what's wrong with me it really does so I know everything I've been set free from, because I've worked hard at it. <laughs> and I've been set free from things I never had wrong with me. <laughs> you've not come across that? You know? You're in a meeting, and people, and, and there's a call for something. And it's not anything you've ever done, but you may as go out anyway, you know, and just <laughs> get prayer for it. Because, like... <laughs> when... When stuff like that becomes your focus, what's wrong? You know, what's his name? Ah, um, oh, the, the Chinese guy who speaks a lot. Oh, God. Jo- Smith. No, Joseph Smith, his name is. He's not very Chinese sounding, <laughs> is it? Prince, Prince, Prince. Joseph Prince. Prince. Smith wasn't right, was it? <laughs> Joseph Prince, which still doesn't sound, is what? You think he's Japanese? Well... Joseph Prince doesn't sound Japanese either, right? <laughs> but he said, and I love his teaching, because he teaches a lot about grace, but he said, God hasn't come to tell us what's wrong with us. He's come to tell us what's right with us. But how simple. And yet, I can, can, I, can I go beyond what's wrong with me? Can, I, can you go beyond what's wrong with you? Can you launch out into the depths of how amazing you are? Can you do that? No. I'm too busy this side of the cross, still seeing my sins, still seeing what's wrong with me. Go beyond, go beyond. If you focus, so let's let's look at this verse, Galatians 5 verse 16. Galatians 5. How do we do this? How do we go beyond? And I'm coming back to, linking to our last session there, so you'll you'll see the link. How do we get free from all that consciousness of what's wrong with us and where we got to change and everything like that what do we do Galatians 5 did I say that verse 16 but I say walk by the spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh now I thought it should say don't carry out any of the desires of the flesh and you'll walk by the Spirit, because <laughs> that's how I live. That's how most Christians live. If I stop doing everything, then I'll be what God wants me to be. No, 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 no. Be what He says you are, and you won't do that other stuff. It'll wear away. It'll it'll fall off. That's it. that, that it's. God has put within you this spirit that is alive, that is free, that is victorious, that knows no... Do you know the scripture says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm thinking, well, I can't be in Christ Jesus then. Because how many times do I feel condemned? Who feels condemned? You get it in the picture. Who feels condemned? He don't. Your spirit person don't. There's two things I could say about this right going on here. You cannot sense your spirit being by natural senses. So, I've been saying get in touch with your spirit and all of that. You can't do it by natural means. You can't go, hang on a minute. There he is! (laughs) I'm now walking around like the spirit man. No, you get in touch with him when you look into the word and, and faith comes, faith comes, faith comes. That's how you do it, right? And the second thing I want to say is this. God doesn't look at your flesh and your soul, he looks at your spirit. And by the way, if your spirit's perfect, what does he see when he looks at you? If your spirit is alive and full, and, 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 and what does he see? We think all God sees is all we're doing wrong. He's not looking at that. Not now he's put the spirit of his son within you, he's looking at that going you are so do you know when we do original design and people say you are this you are that and you're going oh man I wish I was no that's because you are that but you are focused on what you're not you're not focused on what you are you're focused on what you're not go beyond hello go beyond the natural into the supernatural so our focus then should be as it says there uh set your mind okay Walk by the Spirit. There's another verse, I think it's in Colossians 3, verse 1. I think it's something like that. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Where Christ is seated at the right hand. You, 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 you are seated with him. Set your mind. And it doesn't mean the mind of your flesh. It means the mind of your spirit. Set your mind. Get your, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your natural mind, but so that you embrace the spiritual dimension of who you are and you see how God sees. So I'm going to start to leave you with, and I, I like that, because I don't know how long it'll be, but I'm going to start to leave you with an, an, a, a final thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it the Americans say? We're coming into land. That's what they say when they're coming near the end of their preaching. But you've seen how long the runways are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good idea. <laughs> um, I, I kind of made, made a... Sort of reference to it in the last in the last session, which is uh, moving from hearing to seeing. I think it's it's. I think it what God's saying to me at the moment and saying to our church, I think, is what He's trying to say to the church: is we've 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 entered a, a season of of hearing from God, you know, and we, we we've probably moved a lot into the prophetic because of this and. And stuff, but the area of what you see is not something that we really have quite got the hang of. I, I, n- neither have I. I see more things now. Um, I was saying to the worship team last night that when we lead worship, we, expe- we expect and we experience supernatural things almost every week. So angels singing and hearing that is quite a common thing for us. Seeing them is not it's not, it's not getting it. Some people do, some people do. But they're here. They're here, and we can't see them. And there's one thing that's really irritating me at the moment is Jesus is turning up to Muslim clerics and walking into their rooms. What about me, Lord? <laughs> Been saved 53 years. You've never come into my room. <laughs> they're seeing, they're seeing this This. Part of that is a cultural thing, right? A lot of the Eastern cultural things believe far more in the supernatural realm than our culture does. So it has shut that down with us, really. While we're becoming, you know, we're kind of embracing it. but We're embracing it through an intellectual way, which is the tree of knowledge, unfortunately. So you're all still eating a bit, you know. You're all a load of Adams and Eves, aren't you, really? But. Th- but we're trying to sort of see through the natural means. And he's going, actually, no. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And something in that then causes us to step over into the seeing. But our, 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 definitely our culture says, no, there aren't any. The supernatural realm is not. not. So yeah. angels are here now and, and we can't see them. And that's That's wrong. That's just wrong. Jesus is here. And I can't see him. And that's wrong. The Father is You know, I know he's here because I see the reaction on your faces. I see, I see joy coming. I see life coming. And I'm thinking, man, they're, they're all over you lot. I can see the effects of. But I think God wants us to move into a new phase where we see. Jesus said, I only do what I see. Hello. Father doing. And we've reduced that to, well, when somebody starts shaking, then that must be God. Right? The fact that somebody over there... D- d- there was a story of um, Reinhard Bonker, you know, the German um, evangelist in, in Africa. He was in Germany, and the Germans are great people, but they don't have the sense of humour that we've got, you know what I mean? <laughs> but he, he's got a group of men, and, and uh, they're sort of sat in a circle like this. And he, he shares with them and his fire is on him and he says, Now we're going to just pray for you. And he, gets, he stands them up and, and they're stood up and he, he goes round them and, and they begin to, uh, people begin to manifest, shake, you know, breathe heavy. <laughs> so, you know, clearly. Then he comes to this one German and he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Brother, how are you doing? He says, I feel nothing. Okay, so he moves around and other people start getting manifesting. And you know, we were even taught through the Wimber era, like, you know, look for flickering of the eyes. You know, it's like we had all the skills, you know, look, look. Uh, and, and this was evidence seeing what the father's doing, seeing what this was the evidence, physical evidence we could work with it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, look, he's got a leg going. He's <laughs> Jesus, you know. He goes round, he comes a second time to this bloke, and he says, how are you? He says, I feel nothing. So he goes round and comes back a third time, and he says, how's it going, brother? And he says, I feel nothing. He said, well, you may as well sit down. And the guy says, I cannot. (laughs) I cannot. He was rooted to the spot. Did he see? Looking from the natural... Did you see? But something was going on there. And we didn't see it in what we've been taught to look at with natural eyes. It wasn't visible. But God was at work there. Now, I think Jesus saw that. I think Jesus saw like that. Not all this shaky, bubbly stuff. I think he saw what the Father was doing. And he would have seen that. And I want to move to that. I want to move to that place where we see what the Father is doing. Moses saw God. Why can't I? Abram saw God. I'm going to tell you this one now. This I heard from John, from um, Bill Johnson. And I, I don't know about you, sometimes he says things and I, I, I think, how on earth is he, where's that come from? But you know, Abram, it says, I think it's chapter 15 or 17, so you can take your pick and have a read through both. Um, It says that God comes to him, meets with him and in a trance. That's what it says. He's he's in a trance, like a dream, a trance. And and nowhere does it say in the whole of that chapter that he came out of the trance, right? So the whole of this chapter, and guess what? It's the chapter with the doves, where he cuts them apart and he walks through them and there's the exchange. I kind of didn't realise that that was all in the dream, all in the trance, right? In that, in that trance, in that dream, Abraham says, I'm going to do what you want, God. And God says, God saw his faith and credited to him as righteousness. We all know that verse. He was in a dream when he said it. What? So we only exist in the, the awake part, don't we? God. Even his dream took his word for it. Took Abraham's word that he would he would be faithful. And credited him from a dream. Have you ever had a dream though and woke up and thought, what the heck was that about? Tell you what, you've had a lot of them that have been God speaking to you and you just don't know that. Jacob had it, didn't he? You know? Anyway, Abraham sees God. Why can't I see him? Why don't I see him? Well, I do actually, but that's another story. I'll, uh, if you want me to tell you about those times, I'd be happy to. It's good fun. <clears throat> I was telling them last night that we, we were morning where the worship team got up to play and the keyboard player hadn't arrived. He was not very well. And as we were leading worship, the keyboard was playing because the angels just thought, we like this. So They're just playing. We went out once to, to a conference uh, in um, Leicester with a guy called paul hopkins some of you might know him and uh, he, he often asked us and our worship team to go and lead the worship at the conferences that he put on there and we went along and we were playing and everybody in the room heard the trumpets and nobody was playing trumpets everybody in the room heard them it's just incredible it's like what what are we seeing what 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 is now hang on a minute which is more real the trumpets that we can't see Or the keyboard that we can see? Which is more real? What does the Bible say? The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen, they're eternal. So which is more real? The things that are unseen. Whoa! I'm getting you thinking, aren't I? It's good. Um, Okay, I need to read this sentence because it doesn't make any sense to me. So take what we know. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So we <laughs> we have probably learned a lot of things as a Christian. And so what we tend to do is we think that it's what we know and what we think that is what we should live from. So I've been taught how to be a good Christian, so that's how I live. I've been taught how to read my Bible, so that's how I read my... I've been taught how to preach, so that's how I preach. Of course, I don't preach like I used to do. I used to have three sides of A4, and I had to read it through, and, and you know, it was three-part sermon, you know, and as the Americans put it, stand up, speak up, shut up, you know, it was all sort of very ordered. And then now I get up and uh, on a Sunday morning, like this Sunday morning just gone, I got to church. I'd got a sermon ready in my heart, ready. And 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 an hour before the service, we're sat there, we're just waiting on God and his presence comes upon me. And he said, I want you to just talk about this. It's not something I've prepared. I don't even know anything about it. So we get up, start the worship. God wrecks the place in the worship. It's just people lying all over the place. So I get up and then I speak into something that God's given me to speak in and I'm having to hear him tell me because I've never heard it before. So I'm speaking like that. I'm hearing and speaking and hearing and speaking. And then God's power comes and people are healed and set free. And I'm going, what on earth happened there? That's quite normal for us. And I'm not saying you've got to do what we do, copy. I'm I'm just saying, go beyond. Even where you are now, it's wonderful. Go beyond. Even what you think you know now as a Christian, go beyond. Step into, you know, walk in the spirit. Go beyond. Because there's something more than you know. The scripture says, no one can see my face and live. So that's probably kept a lot of us away from wanting to see him. But we are in- encouraged to come. Isaiah's the guy who goes up into heaven and he has a vision. What? Please, God, the Old Testament people. I want it. I want to go to heaven and see God. Why should Jacob wrestle with you? I don't. I wrestle with myself more than I wrestle with God. I don't know about you. I, I want God to turn up in my bedroom. friend of mine had an angel in his room, and I'm going, oh, God, he's not even a pastor. <laughs> he doesn't always come. Because... <laughs> I just know. For me, <laughs> look at it like this. <laughs> I look at it like this. Whatever I think, being a Christian is, is limited. Whatever I think is limited, because my mind is limited. What God is is beyond what you can think, is beyond what you can imagine. So how do I step into that that area which doesn't have logic and reason? There was a a lovely saying I read in a book. It says there's two ways to approach God. One is the scientist and one is the poet. And the scientist looks up to heaven and says, God, come down here. So I can work you out, put you in a book, get a formula, and understand you. The poet sticks his head up into above the clouds into heaven and goes, Whoa, what is this? Comes down and writes about trees and colours and butterflies and says, I don't understand. I want to be the poet i don't want to understand i just want to encounter him if if my encountering of him means i come back with a sermon oh, for goodness sake I've, you know that's just nothing i want to encounter him and then be lying there for six months thinking i have no idea what just happened <laughs> literally people come to church and get carried out in the morning to the cars because they're just under his encountering his presence, encountering, and we're not saying, we've, we've found a formula of how to pray, we don't do that, we're just leading worship, and he comes and he turns up, and we go, okay God, carry on, we'll just do the service, while you carry on doing what you're doing, people are getting messed up, or should I say, fixed, perhaps that's a better way to do it, okay, um, nearly done, nearly done, yeah, <laughs> so, there's three, um, visions, goals, targets for your church to be a worshipping community uh, to be relational Aha. and healing for the, to be a place of healing so, and, and under that there's a sub to make God number one priority it's beautiful, great stuff so I'm going to do this I'm going to take us back to this. Walking in the spirit, being the spirit person. Okay? So, worship in spirit and truth. So, you'll never be a worshiping community until you worship in spirit. It'll not happen. So, being a worshiping community means we all get in the spirit. Then we've got relational. How many of you know that there's no Unity without the Spirit. It says, endeavour to keep the unity of the... Hmm. Not flesh. Not soul. Of the Spirit. So, actually, when you learn and encourage and, and find yourself connecting with who you are in Christ, which is the Spirit, your relationship becomes quite natural and, and unity becomes quite natural. Right? If If relationships... And the target to, to, to make that happen is tea and coffee. I love that. But that will produce level, a level of relationship somewhere. But when you all engage with your spirit and you begin to see who you are, words of knowledge and words of life become a lot easier to do. And suddenly love starts to come and you feel like, Wow can't be without people say who come to my church they they go home to scotland and various places in sheffield and they'll be away for two three four weeks and they say we cannot wait to get home something is happening in the place where they fellowship because they're encouraged to come and be in the spirit and then obviously the healing well you can't do that without the spirit anyway so i kind of think that you get all your needs met here all your goals by just being in the Spirit. They become naturally achieved rather than let's do a five-year plan about to get there. They become naturally achieved. I'm sorry if that's what you do. I do apologise. I don't do that. I once heard... Okay. Uh, uh, now we're just taxiing, okay? And we're nearly... We're just pulling into the... So I... Uh, I've had lots of encounters with God myself personally. I've been to heaven and different things and stuff like that. And um, one of, one of the things that that happened for me is uh, he took me to a tent instead of taking me to a, some kind of um, glory house, you know, the throne room. I got took to a tent, and this was the tent of Levi, because God was showing me my ministry, how I look, what it looks like in heaven. So I began to see this, this room and I went there many nights And but the one of the things in the room was a funnel uh, in the middle of the room and at the time I kind of got it that whatever God gave me in that heavenly place I was supposed to pour down the funnel to the people. I kind of got that but everything I'd seen in this room I'd found in scriptures but the funnel. And, and about five years later a book comes out from uh, from America by a guy called Chris Villotten who uh, is a member at at, um, Bill Johnson's church Bethel, and ch- chapter five or six. It, it's called the Culture of Honor, the book. And about chapter five or six, he says the funnel from heaven. I went, hello, what is that? And he, he he spoke into what was called the fivefold ministry. I'm going to leave you with this thought because this is this is what we've made as as our goal. Okay. He said. In the scriptures it says this, that the church was built on the ministry of the apostles and the prophets. Okay? The church by and large in the West is built on the ministry of the pastor. Okay? That's a true statement. If, if, if you joined a church and you got called into the ministry, you end up being a pastor. That's, that's, that's where you go, right? But that's not what the church was was built on, founded on. So what's the distinction? And they gave the distinction like this. And I like this and I feel like we're trying to walk in this direction. The apostle and the prophets look heavenward to see what is happening in the heavenly realm, to see what is being released in the heavenly realm and bring that to the church. So the church experiences, let your kingdom come, as it is in heaven, you 've got to be in heaven to see what 's in heaven to be able to bring it down to earth. right The pastoral ministry focuses on the needs of people. So most churches are built around helping the poor, feeding the hungry, setting up counseling for people who are struggling with this. it 's it's, it's very much focused on need-driven. Yeah The apostle and prophets are focused on heaven-driven. If there are needs, they're just going to have to get met as we walk in the things of the Spirit. But we're not going to be sidetracked into, there's all these needs, well, we'll leave that then. We'll we'll leave going before God because we've got to help people. No, no. We'll go before God, and if going before God, he doesn't say help people, we are not worried about that anymore. Ah. Surely, if you're before God, he'll want to heal everybody, yes. But the more of him we get, the more people get healed, and without us trying... But when we start to say, okay, let's have a season of praying for the sick and all of that, nobody gets healed. We all feel depressed. We all think we're rubbish Christians. And what kind of a pastor are you? You can't heal the sick. I've had an ambulance fetch somebody from church after being prayed for. Don't come to my church for prayer. Come to meet God because then people get up and walk out. But when you make it like the program, the focus, the people... You know, and, and for me, just to leave you with that thought, that if you follow the Spirit, which means being heaven-focused, the worshiping community just becomes natural. The relationship becomes natural. The healing becomes natural. When you become focused. So, you know what? Don't pray for your pastor to be a pastor and demand his time to come and visit you and drink your tea and have your biscuits so you can moan for an hour about how <laughs> terrible life is for you pray for him to have an hour with god pray for him to have an hour in the heavenly place because when he comes on sunday after he's been in the heavenly place he'll say something that answers all your questions you asked for him you had when he came around that day do you hear that oh, if you don't, don't visit me, and need to come and visit me because I've got all these things. And then Sunday, he's had an hour with the God. He comes Sunday and he says, God's told me to say this, bang, 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 bang. And five people go, that's what I was wondering. He wouldn't have known that if it would have been sat with you and a tea and a biscuit. Because all he's going is like, okay, carry on. Bend my ear a little bit more. But you know, I love you. You know, I'm the pastor and I care. I'm not. I'm, I'm sure you're not like that, by the way. <laughs> Neither am I. I'm not quite like that, really. <laughs> yeah. They, we had a funeral at at our church last, or well, two years ago, and uh, the late the lady was 55 years old. Got three beautiful girls. Been part of our church for a long, long time, and. Uh, She'd been struggling with cancer for about five years and she'd had remission and all sorts of stuff and God had been amazing in the family. And uh, a couple of weeks before uh, she passed away, I w- I'm visiting the family quite regular and just just blessing them and thanking God for them and we all wept together. It was beautiful. Uh, anyway, the funeral came and uh, the family that she's from, a, a, a very community, uh, drinking community out, You know, a lot of alcohol, a lot of pubs where we we live. And everybody knew her. So we have 350 people in our building that holds 200. So we've got them in corridors, we've got them up in the overflow room upstairs with everything. All they know is pub and go home, have some tea, go to work, pub. That's all they know. And here they are in church. And she'd said to me, because she was a great woman of God, she said, wherever you do, Tim, preach the gospel. I said, you know me. So we sang Happy Day at the funeral. Oh, happy day. And the Christians were going for it. And I said, just go for it. Don't worry about being embarrassed. The, the non-saved people in that room were blown away by the presence of God. They Almost all of them said to me, we've never experienced anything like this in our life. If it wasn't for the fact that I can't leave that life, I'd be here every week. But God spoke to me that day and said, the gap between us Christians and them, the world, is not as big as you think it is. They actually love me. They actually want me. They actually can feel me. I I was really moved by that that day. I thought, Lord, there's not this them and us thing anyway, but certainly it's like, Oh, how can you win people today? It's so hard. It's so difficult. You know, people are finding in my church, and I'm sure it's happening all over the world, just pray for people. You meet people in the shop and they say, oh, I'm having a real problem with your back. I say, can I pray for you? Nine times out of ten they say, yeah, sure. That, that barrier you think's there, isn't there? Just go for it. okay can i pray for you yeah and you go pray for him can you feel anything yeah there's heat on me back oh that's jesus what is it yeah yeah How's it feeling now it's gone fantastic see you next week (laughs) or you never see them again is that a problem can you tell me how many people jesus healed he told them to go to the temple and he told them to be in church the following sunday how many none they met him and that was enough Guys, bless you so much for being here this morning and uh, I hope you've been blessed and it's really given you something to sort of get your heart and minds into. Um, can we just pray? We'll stand together and let's just pray? Father, first of all, first of all, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for putting your life in me. I thank you that you and your desires are for me. And if you're for me, who can be against me? Lord, and that you've put in me a fullness to draw from, a fullness to live from. And I pray for these people this morning, God, as their hearts and minds have been exposed to truth, that the truth will set them free. In Jesus' name, Father, we come against all logic and reason and that temptation to be led by our senses and we look into the word, we look into the law of life, we look into the mirror of your word and we say, that's who I am, that's who I'm going to be. And I pray for that step to be taken, Lord. Into the depths, into the deep, from the natural to the spiritual. We just all declare we love you this morning, Lord. You are so amazing. You are so amazing. Your peace go with these people. Let the fire of God be upon you. That people around you will get burned by just standing next to you. We ask it in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.